passions like love my family, want to spend time with them, love my business, want to spend time on it. It's hard. It demands a lot of my attention. Like the kids do too. Like it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's definitely not. Welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Marcus Philly. Marcus is a six-time CrossFit Games athlete and the founder of Functional Bodybuilding, an online training program designed to combine aesthetics, fitness, and functionality. Marcus lives a very intentional lifestyle, uh, someone that cares a lot about his health and the health of the people around him, and something that he instills as part of his Functional Bodybuilding program. He lives in a way that really helps ground himself with the basic principles of health and wellness. We dive into everything from his origin story of what got him into fitness in the first place through his years at the CrossFit Games, what got him out of CrossFit and ultimately helping him start functional bodybuilding and much more. I had a ton of fun talking with Marcus and I know you're going to love this conversation. Enjoy. Hey everyone, real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Marcus Philly, welcome to the show. Uh, I appreciate it. You've got yourself quite a uh, scenery behind you. I'm like uh, gonna have to stay focused despite all the uh, the great distractions that are back there. Yeah. So funny enough, this literally just got put up, like finalized mm. over the course of the last like week, week and a half. So one of my coaches is really good with woodworking, and I was like, dude, I want this. Like, I want to get a backdrop with some bookshelves behind me. Cause my wife was going to murder me if I just kept my books all over the house. Mm. So he helped me put this up. We put the led lights in. Um, and it was, yeah, man, it was, it came out fantastic. I'm really happy with it. Nice. Nice. I'm going to steal some ideas for when I, uh, put mine together at my house. Do it. I'm all about it. Yeah. I love all the colors and whatnot that you got going on. You said, how long have you had the podcast studio for? Uh, well, we've been doing our podcast for probably five, maybe six years now, but, it was just like two years ago that we sort of decked out this upstairs at our at our gym at our facility with the with the background. So we decided we wanted to put the podcast on YouTube, and we're like, well, we got to have something that looks you know <clears throat> presentable. So we put put these together. Very nice, man. Well, I mean, I usually listen uh, through just Apple Podcasts, um, but everything that I've seen that you've been putting out on on YouTube, it's obvious that you know you've been the the business has been growing, and you've been trying to you know follow along with that and like building out the studio and everything. So the aesthetics look the part. Yeah. It's certainly been part of the, I think probably starting with the, the pandemic and realizing like there's going to be, this is like our way to connect with people, you know, not that we, I mean, we were connecting with people through media before, but it was like, this is where a lot of people are turning their attention and we want to have <clears throat> the cleanest, you know, and, and most presentable studio that we can. So that, that was like, 
this type of setting upstairs podcasting but also the gym and and the you know the gym layout and the flooring and everything else yeah and that's really where you started going um with the the color scheme like that too right like that's really where the blue and the orange started coming in yeah we did we did like sort of a it was sometime maybe in 2020 we we did a re rebrand like so formerly and you've been following long enough where you know that like when I got out of CrossFit, <clears throat> I started a business called Revival Strength. Revival Strength was um, my personal coaching business, which then became a collective of coaches coaching under the Revival Strength brand, doing individual remote coaching. Then we opened up a brick and mortar gym called Revival Strength. I had a supplement business that was called Revive RX. It all kind of bled together. And but over the course of a couple of years, we became very well known. I became very well known as the functional bodybuilding guy because I was <clears throat> writing training programs, functional bodybuilding training programs. I was marketing it as functional bodybuilding training programs. And it was just clear after three, two, three, two, three years of running the, the business, there was nobody that <clears throat> ever referenced me as the revival strength guy. They were like, oh yeah, Marcus Philly, the functional bodybuilding guy. And uh, so we were like, well, do we, you know, and plus it was creating some brand confusion. They're like, well, what are you, Revival Strength? Are you functional bodybuilding? We also had a training program called Awaken Training Series. So there was just like, what are you? So we're like, ah, we got to just simplify. Everything became functional bodybuilding. So we were like, okay, website change, blah, blah, blah. And with that, we rebranded with some colors, the oranges and the blues and the and the white tones. And then that was like, let's upgrade the facility and all of that sort of kind of became our next, our next evolution <clears throat> starting in the pandemic. Yeah. So that was when you had your personal Instagram account and then started to create the functional bodybuilding side of things as a separate entity, correct? Yeah, more or less. I mean, Marcus Philly is a, as a personal, um, you know, social media handle and channel has been around for as long as, you know, I don't know. Facebook's been around, but um, literally, I remember getting that college invitation to join Facebook. You know, when I was in, it was two thousand three or something like that. Don't date <clears> yourself, <throat> man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, and then, functional bodybuilding. Actually, what's what's funny is that five years ago, I think we started the functional bodybuilding channel, and we also started a revival strength channel. So we had all these different social media handles. Functional bodybuilding as a channel was simply a place to post our movement library. That's all we were doing. It was a YouTube channel where we posted all of our demo videos or we you know, we archived all our demo videos and the Instagram page was you know, a new movement every day, twice a day with an explanation of like wh what circumstance you would want to use this in. Um <clears throat> and then when we decided to rebrand, we're like, okay, well that page and that channel, those channels are going to host more content than just demo videos. And so we started to expand that. We closed the other channels um, that were connected to Revival Strength and Revive RX because those businesses ceased to exist. And then, yeah, so now we're, we're, we really have Marcus Philly as a brand channel for me and for like what I'm about, how I approach coaching, my philosophy on training, how I approach my own health and fitness. And then functional bodybuilding is really, this is where we house, you know, things about the brand, the methodology, 
the training programs, how you can contact us for coaching, you know, um, and, and really a place for like people who do our, our training system to feel like they have a home. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we're starting to see this shift where a lot of people are realizing the value of building their personal brand. Like, I feel like this is what the online space has kind of brought to the table. You know, before it was very much so don't worry about yourself, pour everything into the business. And Mm -hmm. I think that between some of the shorter form uh, forms of social media, like TikTok and Reels and that sort of thing, and then long form like YouTube, like people are starting to see the value in being able to build themselves as an individual because it just gives authenticity to the brand. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, <clears throat> I sort of did it the opposite way where I was like, I didn't, <clears throat> excuse me. My first business was a, a CrossFit gym. And so, you know, building a personal brand online didn't really, didn't really help my, my local business that much. Um, you know, my target audience wasn't really looking at what I was doing on a, on social media from a, um, competitive athletics perspective in CrossFit. Um, but I built that brand and that is what gave rise to other business opportunities that I had later on. Those were my first remote customers that I got remote clients that were saying, Hey, will you coach me in CrossFit? And then, and then fast forward a number of years, that was the ba- that was the pool, the customer base that bought my first online training program. So we, we definitely, you know, that was my business account. You know, my business was my personal brand, which is, is true for some people out there, but it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's slightly different, I suppose, to sort of lump all that together into one. Sure. Yeah. So I I do want to rewind the tape a little bit because I'm sure that a lot of the listeners are going to know at least something about your backstory, some of them more than others. Um, but I think that it's really relevant to the conversation because you started out as a med school student, correct? Yep. I mean, if we start, if we start the clock in 2004, that was when I started as a med school student. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like in terms of like getting involved with this whole thing, I think yeah. that you always position everything I've heard from you. You've used your experiences as part of, uh, going to med school as kind of the beginning stages of like what got you really fascinated into CrossFit and fitness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I would say that, uh, that was definitely the the time when I explored. I started to explore CrossFit most deeply. Um, <clears throat> I actually learned of CrossFit before I went to medical school, maybe about a year before medical school, after I had just wrapped up my college experience, and I was very into health and fitness, and you know, wanted to basically pursue a career that was an intersection of medicine and health and fitness. And <clears throat> by that, I mean nutrition meets fitness prescription meets medical supervision to basically say we can treat anybody that was my goal was like yeah if you're a if you're a trainer a fitness trainer a nutrition coach you really don't have access to to treating the sickest people because those people will show up and they'll need doctor supervision they'll need a doctor to you know, sign off on whatever they're doing. And I'm like, I want to have that person in-house so we can just get to work, right? Because even people that are really sick, they need to start moving and eating well. So that was kind of what I went to medical school with the intention of like pursuing that. CrossFit was snuck its way in there 
as like, oh, this adds a little bit of a, we could talk about how that added something to my thought process. But, you know, I, I was ready to go to medical school with that in mind, was in this gap season between college and medicine, was going to go to medical school and <clears throat> matriculate. And then like the year before, somebody was like, come do this workout with me. And it was CrossFit. And so CrossFit started to uh, inform so much of how I viewed the health and fitness world. Um, and, and yeah, then it, then it kind of, they both sort of evolved for that first year in medical school and really changed the course of where I was headed. Yeah. This is actually something that you and I oddly have in common. Um, so I was in school for exercise science and it was my, my, the end of my sophomore year, beginning of my junior year that I was first exposed to CrossFit. And it was like a total like paradigm shift, mm. like mind blown moment for me because here I am in classes learning, learning about all the traditional side of things as far as like the NSCA, ACSM. And then on the backside of this, I'm going into these CrossFit gyms where I'm watching these average moms overhead squatting 135. And I'm like, this is something special, mm -hmm. you know? So it completely changed around my perspective on both my education and what I wanted to do after it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, many, many similarities there. And I think what would be super interesting for me, and this isn't for this conversation, but be like, okay, hindsight, what really was so special about CrossFit that produced results in people that we might otherwise not see results in that got us thinking, okay, there's something else going on here. Because personally, I will look back and be like, it wasn't the secret sauce of CrossFit. There was like in the methodology per se, there was something else that was very attractive to, you know, call it the, the soccer mom that you just alluded to, right? It's like that person would have never otherwise gone to the gym to learn how to overhead squat, but they happened to want to show up here and we applied a certain method that got them uh, doing it. <clears throat> but had they shown up and done a different method, they would have been potentially able to do it too. But it was just like, there was something that was so electric and magnetic about that time in CrossFit. And that was what ultimately was like, I need to be a part of that. That is why I, I, pro I mean, you know, I, I don't know what I would have done with medicine had CrossFit not entered my life, but I think it really took CrossFit and the magnetic pull of the community of CrossFit and what was happening with CrossFit and the people that were showing up to CrossFit, like the demographic that I was like, well, I, I got to go get involved in this thing and then pair that with, uh, you know, a, sort of a diminished passion for the traditional medical system. It just worked together to be like, I'm going to just press pause on this and go explore that for a year and see what I can make of it. And if it's going in the right direction, I'm not coming back to medical school, but if it's not going in the right direction, like I got this fallback plan, which is medicine, which is kind of weird to say, but it was like, I was already in the system. Well, and I think we can both appreciate the fact that in the medical world, there's probably more red tape than just about anywhere. And in CrossFit, especially in like 2008, 9, 10 CrossFit, there was no red tape to be found. And you actually were like everyone that was getting involved then had the opportunity to be a pioneer in the space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like more than red tape too in medicine where it's like, 
maybe politics has more red tape than medicine. Who knows? But <clears throat> in medicine, <laughs> it's a toss up. It's a toss up. In medicine, you got to go through eight years, seven to eight years of training before you're even practicing and dealing with the red tape, so to speak. You know, it's like sure. So it's a very you got to you got to play the the patience game. You know, it's a very which is which is why it's a, a in most in many circumstances it's a a well compensated profession but it also means that um you know you you have to dedicate a lot of years to to education you're helping people along the way but it's like you don't have autonomy and like really full capacity to like treat people until you're really a resident or even you've you know you've gone through residency and you've learned what you need to learn like you know, it's like a, a, somebody who graduates with a medical degree is like, you know, a first year resident is like pretty, pretty useless. <laughs> like they don't have a lot of skills. They don't have, I mean, and I, this is going to rub somebody the wrong way. And I don't mean it that way. Like I have a tremendous amount of respect for the medical community, people that make it through medicine. They're doing a lot more hands-on training for, you know, people in the, their first four years of med the medical training system. But the truth is like, you know, a first year resident or, or an intern, you know, it's like they, they haven't done anything. They've been in, in, in the books, you know, they've been studying book stuff and now it's like time to go and do some actual doctoring. So it's uh for sure. And I mean, no matter what job field we're talking about here, like it takes time after you finish your schooling to get involved with a company to understand how they want to do things anyway. Um, and that real world application applies to people in the medical field, you know, equally my, my wife's a clinical pharmacist mm -hmm. and, uh, she started at 28, I believe it was either 27 or 28. And like, we felt that was long, you know, yeah. and like we have friends that started school, um, for medical school around the same time she did. And like, depending on what specialization they went into, uh, some of them are in cardiac and whatnot. And like, they could be in for another three or four years. It's, it's crazy to think that you can start your career at like 33, 34 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, <clears throat> I don't want to like, it's not all bad. You know, there's not all downside to it. Obviously there's, there's major upside. And for certain people, that's a really like attractive path. It's like, I get down this path, you know, the, the education system suits them well. They really enjoy it. They love it. And they know that if, just put in the time and they can live a balanced and fulfilling life during that process, then on the back end, they're going to have a pretty stable career and a lot of job security. And that's fantastic. And, and then on the flip side, it's like, yeah, you can get right into personal training without much education or experience. And that has its upsides and its downsides. It's like, well, we got a industry full of people that could potentially know nothing and have no experience and, you know, just be out there like trying to do good. But it's like, I want to go do good, but you, no one's given me a, a, a prescription pad to go and prescribe medicine because I don't know anything. I don't have the, you know, the experience to do it. It's, it's not the same thing as prescribing squats or push-ups, right. but there is some, you know, there's clearly some risk to doing training and CrossFit and, and our early years in CrossFit was a very good example of, you get a lot good. of, I'm sure we'll get into that quite a bit. You get a lot of people who don't know anything about training or have no limited experience, but they're great community builders or they're inspired or they're passionate or they just hated their other job. And they're like, I'm opening up a CrossFit gym. And you know, it, th there was a mixed bag for sure. For sure. And I, I don't mean to pull an Alex Hermosi card, but I think you can also look at 
the differences from a compounding perspective on starting as a coach in your like early to mid twenties and being able to work with people from that time until waiting until you're in your thirties, you know, sure. so it's like, yeah, you're giving up six, seven, eight years or so of time that you could have spent developing as a coach, working with a clientele base and transforming lives from the very beginning. That's true. Yeah. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, well, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know Alex Hermosi back then. I've heard that a lot. I've never really thought back on like my experience and, and made some of those connections. Um, but certainly like <laughs> I started getting into the trenches and building a lot of experience that led me down the path that I am today. And yeah, I would have gotten through my medical training at the age of 34 probably, um, which was only four years ago. And at that point I had already you know, built a couple of successful businesses and had one business failure, a couple of business failures and, you know, um, done a lot of good and made a lot of mistakes. And that's just like, and accumulated some wealth, right? Like sure. th there's, you know, it's, th there definitely were some, um, some interesting over like parallels and overlaps to a lot of the messages that he speaks about now for sure. For sure. And that's coming from the business side, but just imagine also, you know, the impact that you had on so many lives by the time you reached that age of 34 that you yeah. otherwise probably wouldn't have had, at least not to scale. Sure. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's true. And I won't also uh, deny the fact that I got to selfishly pursue something that there's no way I would have done in medical school. I mean, I know Julie Fouché was like an example of somebody who was a medical student who won the, you know, who placed well in the CrossFit games, but I think she even had to retire from CrossFit in order to like actually get done with her medical training. You know, I, yeah. I got to pursue a whole career after college, after medical school, like, or after I left medical school in a sport that is, you know, really special and really demanding. And, um, that was, that was, that was a selfish pursuit that I, I definitely turned into a you know, opportunity from a business perspective later on, but that wasn't my goal at the time. There was nothing like people were like, Hey, you know, I, I get interviewed. They're like, how's it like to be a professional athlete? I was like, well, I was a coach, a professional coach who was doing CrossFit, like selfishly on the side. Like as soon as class was over, I was like getting people out the door so I could start my training before the next class two hours later. Like I was just filling all my extra time during the day doing CrossFit, like most of the coaches at the time and the gym owners at the time were doing. I just happened to be a little bit better at it and maybe a, had a better training background and maybe a slight more dedication and more natural, you know, or genetic gifts. And that helped me rise to the top and then start this, like what, what people called a professional career in CrossFit. But, um, yeah, that was, that was also something that I could never have done had I been, you know, I would have, I would have stayed in shape. I would have been in, I would have been fit, a fit medical student. I would have probably found a CrossFit box eventually to join and I would have done some stuff, but you know, there's no way I was going to qualify for the CrossFit games. So do you think the autonomy that came with choosing this path was a big, uh, decision maker for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's funny. Like I didn't know I wanted yeah, it's like I'm putting language to a lot of the things that I um, felt 
back at the back in the day, thanks to like the <laughs> this like boom of like YouTube business gurus that are out there and like basically yeah. which is great because it's like I don't I, I wanted to go to business school but I didn't and now I can go to business school like on YouTube like and I, that's not a shot at like business schools like there's a different type of education that you learn there and there's aspects that I'm not like digging into about you know right. an MBA but like I'm learning a lot through people like Hermosi and or their business and what they put out from a content perspective and you're right like <clears throat> having, was I going to be somebody that wanted to work for myself or work for somebody else, you know? And I never thought about that, but I knew that by being a coach and by pursuing that as my career at the time, when I was in my twenties and I didn't have a lot of responsibilities, I was like, I'm getting to do so much of what I want to do. But when I'm going down this medical path, like I'm, my, my life is devoted to something else. Like I'm devoted right. to a system. I'm devoted to the university. I'm devoted to this and I'm on their time. I'm on their schedule. And I don't, I have to like fit my life into these small little buckets, you know, these small little windows here and there. And that was hard for me, really hard. Um, and it always, it always left me feeling depleted, unfulfilled. And so I, I wanted to take some of that back Actually, I didn't know I wanted to take it back, but I just craved it. And then pursuing the path that I was on allowed me to do that. And I was like, I never want to give this up. I got to do everything in my power to like turn my vocation, whatever skill I have, my passion to help people into a lifestyle that allows me to retain this autonomy that you talk about or that you mentioned and still do something good and earn a living and, you know, build the future that I want to build. And that was like what I started out thinking and doing and that I fulfilled that for a long time. And, um, I think I still fulfill it to this day. Although, you know, when you just, when I decided to have children, when we, you know, when I decided to get married, when I decided to buy a house, when I started to like do these more adult things, like, of course that, um, you know, there's trade-offs. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving up a little bit of autonomy or I'm giving up a lot of autonomy now. Well, and what's funny is I know that there's going to be a listener to, or quite a few that listens to what you just said. And to them, it's like their nightmare scenario. Um, so I think of like, you know, my wife is a perfect example of this. Like she's somebody that loves the structure of working for a larger company. Mm -hmm. And like, every time I talk to her about any of the risks that we face or the decisions I have to make, she's like, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Like I have zero interest. So I find it so interesting that you have like, there is a division, you know, you have these people that see, um, the autonomy is this like overarching freedom that's going to allow them to pivot and make moves the way they want. And then for other people, they're like, nope, I want structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> when And when it gets really bad and, and it feels overwhelming and stressful and, um, you know, I, my mind will wander back to like, ah, oh, man, it'd be kind of cool if I could just like punch the clock at the hospital right now, you know, like, or, <laughs> or like I look at my, my brother's a physician and he's, uh, He's a radiologist and he, I look at his schedules like, man, that's a pretty nice schedule. And my best friend who I'm going to see this week, Ben, he's like, he's like seven days on, seven days off. And so like every other week he like has the whole week off and he takes trips with his kids and does cool. St I'm like, oh, maybe that sounds, you know, but it's like, you know, the grass is always greener when you hit stressful times. But when you're in good times, I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. I, wanna, I love For what sure. I'm doing, you know? I think it's also just getting comfortable with the fact that in business, there's some seasonality and sometimes it is about that surviving versus thriving. 
You know, like one of the things we, we talked about Alex Hermosi, like one of the things he always says is like, either the business is growing or I am, you know, and I think that's so true when it comes to trying to maintain this role as like a father, a husband, um, in addition to the business owner and the, the entrepreneur. I'm just going to take a quick tangent here to say that <clears throat> I appreciate on the topic of Alex Hermosi, okay, <laughs> his name's come out of my mouth at least three times on this podcast and on a number of other podcasts that I've done recently, both my our own, the, the Functional Bodybuilding Look Good Move Well podcast and some that I've been guests on. And I don't know, I mean, there are other influential coaches and in business and in fitness that I've mention as many times, maybe more, but very few. And I just find it like, um, it's a, it's like a, to me, that is more of a reflection of the impact that I think he is having and will continue to have. And I know that's something that perhaps, you know, he set out as a goal in, in creating a brand. It's like now he wants to be known as opposed to like kind of anonymous and just behind the scenes. And the fact that like, we're just like dropping his name on like a pot, like it's just, <clears throat> it's, it's fascinating. Oh, and it's, he... it's, it's, it's inspiring to me as a business owner. We talked about building personal brand. Um, he has companies that do incredibly well, but the growth of his own personal brand in the past two years has been like, like totally inspiring. It's like go from pretty much nobody knowing who you are except for like the guy that had muscles and a mustache on the gym launch ad to being like, Oh, this, like, I know this person, this person knows me. They understand business. They're a philosopher. They're like, you know, everything. And just like at the tip of your tongue, like, you know, if, if people are, if, you know, I certainly pay attention to that. And I'm like, ah, oh, that is when I'm wanting to build personal brand for the sake of, helping people and also making them aware of what we do as a company, functional bodybuilding. That is like, I want people to be like on a different podcast, random, like, Oh yeah, yeah. The functional bodybuilding guy, Mark, cause he was saying this, he was saying that and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's goals right there. For sure. And I think that, um, what, what Alex was able to do and you're doing this yourself too, which is he was able to flip the script on always having an ask to always providing value. And I think that that is why his name gets uttered so many times is because he's not constantly asking something of his listeners. He's not constantly bombarding them with advertisements. He's just somebody that genuinely wants to improve the business world, right? And I think we all, as people that are entrepreneurs and people that especially didn't necessarily come from more of a traditional background with business genuinely appreciate about him because he's just giving the secrets away, you know? And like, I'm sure you have been through a boatload of mentorship. I have as well. And even I've seen an involvement of it over time. You know, in the beginning, when I first got started, we had worked with someone and, and it was like every, every post needs a call to action. Like everything you do, call to action. And I feel like we have shifted that. And now it's like, give away the secrets, sell the application, right? You're the expert. Let people see that you have something like monstrously value to offer to the world. Yeah, for real. That's, that is, uh, that is kind of how <clears throat> talk about my brand, like 
when I was, I guess it was probably 2010, where I actually started to post content, you know, consistently. Um, it was actually the, in the form of a of a blog. I mean, I was I was writing a training blog, and <clears throat> which then I started to like link to through Facebook, and then I think I opened up my Instagram account in twenty. 2013 or 20 yeah 2013 maybe my first crossfit games individual games um but the blog was like it was information it was also like a a record of my own experience but like i was making it very public i made it i mean anybody could see it it was every set rep weight training session that i did for like three years leading up to me qualifying for my first crossfit games as an individual athlete and had everything like on my nutrition, like everything. Plus, most days of the week, I p- posted videos of what I was doing, um, along with uh, a recap of my daily nutrition. And um, like, and then these are my general thoughts on what is happening in the training cycle and why I'm doing these things. And there was always just like, here's information for everybody. And I never had a call to action. Matter of fact, I didn't have a call to action until. 2016, after I'd finished my CrossFit career, I was just like committed to showing all this information, education, training knowledge. Um, and I met who I met this woman who's now my business partner. Her name's Satya. And she, she was like, well, let me, um, let me, let me build you an email list or let me start you an email list. And we'll just start asking people for their emails. And I was like, Okay, like whatever that, whatever, whatever that's for, you know. Um, and we started to build that. So that was the ask: go and sign up for the email list, which then led to more free content. We were just giving them right. more education in longer form, um, because that's what she said we needed to do. And um, and then you know, then eventually we actually had a product to sell, and and that was the first functional bodybuilding program. So. That that certainly was uh, the path that we kind of that I took and that that we took initially, you know, early on, and um, and now it's like, you know, I find the things that I'm most excited about, you know, creating or the call to action that I'm most excited about is like, give me more ideas about what you want to learn about, <laughs> you know, like I've been being I've been pushing that super hard on our podcast lately. Like, hey, like this is another episode that is brought to you by random listener who said we right. want to learn about this. And the last one was pretty interesting. The I think you had a female competitor for Wadapalooza. Yes. That was that was concerned about competing in a bikini and was kind of teetering on this line of not knowing whether to optimize for the aesthetics because she knew she was going to be in front of a large stage yeah. and getting lots of photo- photos done versus optimizing for performance. And it's funny because I feel like any coach out there would be like, are you kidding me? Like you have to optimize for a performance, but I think you handled it really well in talking about weighing the pros and cons, depending on which division she division she's in yeah. and like what, what she wants for herself one year, three years, five years down the road. So that was a really fascinating podcast. Well, thanks for saying that. And, um, she actually wrote a personal message to Satya a couple days ago and, or a- after she listened to it. And it was just so, it was so fulfilling to just hear how impactful it was for her and she was nice. just, uh, you know, spoiler. She was just like, 
it's so clear to me that I care about my clients being able to perform optimally, like whatever that looks like for themselves. I know what my my guiding star, you know, guiding star is like, this is my North Star. I'm going to perform the best that I can. It's a great reminder that like the the week leading up to the competition is like a deload. And that's when a lot of like water weight just drops because you're just not as stressed and you're, you know, getting a little bit more recovered. And so she's like, it was just a, it was just like a, a this loop that was like, oh, people ask for content. They have questions. We provide it. They get a ton of value. And then hundreds of other people, maybe thousands if we're lucky, you know, also learn something from that because they have a similar question or curiosity. And so just leaning into those requests from people, it's like, just tell me what you want to hear. I don't, don't go buy anything. You don't need to go sign up for something. Like if, honestly, if somebody asks for, if, you know, if if there's a call to action today, it's like, just go get on my email list where we're just going to hit you with a bunch of, you know, training articles. Like today I just wrote, it's coming out tomorrow, but you know, I was running every day for my vacation or my, you know, the the Thanksgiving vacation we took back East because it was like a convenient fitness thing. I was like, I just put my shoes on in the morning and get out and go run five miles. And like, I'm not a runner. I don't do that. But People were like, oh, you're getting into the hybrid athlete training. Like you're really into running now. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But here's what I've <laughs> here's what I've learned. So like tomorrow, it's like, here are all the things I learned in a week of running five miles a day. Here's what how I've trained runners in the past. This is how I approach strength training for, you know, running and distance running. This is how you might want to think about it too, if you're interested in getting into it. Avoid these mistakes and then done. It is always super convenient when you travel, when when I travel to my in-laws. Um I don't want to have to drag a bunch of equipment with me. So like I can always bring my running shoes and they live on a giant hill. So I know hill sprints are, are always a possibility. There you go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Convenience matters when you're on the move. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of which, you know, one of the things I'm always fascinating with, and this is a, a very selfish and personal question because of the fact that like, I'm going to, I'm a soon, soon to be father in March. And, you know, I'm always interested in watching people, curate their life as a father, but also as somebody that is so heavily invested in their business and their own personal fitness, how has being, you know, a father changed your perspective, not only on your own fitness, but also on the way that you write your programming for functional bodybuilding? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we definitely message a lot about like, real life fitness application. Um, and not just like real life, like how are you going to use your fitness in your life? But like, does your fitness fit your lifestyle? And if your lifestyle is like mine, which is like either a busy entrepreneur or you have a, you know, a demanding, fulfilling and demanding job. If you have a family, if you have kids, um, any of those things, like, what what place does fitness have? You know, 25-year-old Marcus, 28-year-old Marcus, who was competing for the CrossFit Games, had a business, but it was not as demanding as my business is today by just, by the simple fact that I just couldn't, I couldn't grow the business as much when I was dedicating so much time to fitness. I didn't have kids. I didn't. I was I was living the single life basically. I mean, my wife my wife and I and girlfriend at the time like she, we we were 
together, but we were not like, yeah, you know, we were living kind of the single lifestyle <laughs> in a way. Right. And um, so we do message a lot about it. I think about it a lot now, of course. I'm like, is this, you know, I have to satisfy my own needs and I have to solve my own problems in the best way that I know how and then share that recipe with people in hopes that it will help them. And if it if that recipe can help them, then they'll, like you said, they'll want to, you know, sign up for the program or, you know, uh, pay us or, you know, give us their time and attention, right? Any of those three trade-offs. Um, and <clears throat> it's, you know, as the, as the chips stack in your life, um, commitment-wise, stress-wise, obligation, uh, uh, what's the third, like another way of saying it would be like things that you're passionate about. Like it's not, I, I mentioned like stress and obligation, but like passions, like love my family, want to spend time with them, love my business, want to spend time on it. It's hard. It demands a lot of my attention. Like the kids do too. Like it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's definitely not, you know, so we have a, we have a finite amount of resources, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. It's not endless. Everything that we love and we put energy towards, or even things that we hate that take and consume our energy, depletes that energy resource pool that we have, you know? And if you've got a hundred is the maximum of amount of resources and you got, you know, 25 going to family, 25 going to business, 25 going to fitness and 25 going to like environmental stress, then anytime you want to like turn one up, one of them has to get turned down. If you're eating like crap, if you're sleeping like crap, if you're, you know, putting toxic chemicals on your body every day, guess what? Your environmental stress is cranked all the way up. And so guess what? Your fitness is going to go down. Your family, you know, connections are going to go down. Your business is going to get turned down. So this is an argument to be really diligent about your nutrition, your sleep, like optimize your environment so you can turn that environmental stress as low as possible so that the other three can thrive. Now, Sure, yeah, and I think it's, you know, you highlighted the the importance of having tools and tactics necessary to minimize distraction and to try to optimize for the life that you want. And then there's this there's this kind of like layer over top of it, which is also just being okay with having flexibility. You know, it's like not having to have such a strict, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and this is how I do this, and this is how I do that to everything in your life. And I think this is something that as a business owner, you, you inevitably have to find, right? You got to get to a place where you are comfortable with things not going perfectly all the time. Mm. That's best case scenario. Because I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm actually that. I'm certainly not there and nor do I, um, I, yeah, I, th I think that that's for me personally and maybe for others listening, like while that might be true, well, that is true. Things are not going to go perfectly all the time. Um, you know, doing the, the, the psychological work, the, the, the mental, the mental work, the personal work to get to a place where you're okay with that. 
That's, that's, that's a lifetime of work for me. Like I won't be okay with it. Like I'm, I'm holding on to the things that I can control. And that's how I look at aspects of life that I can control. I can't control business, but I can do my best. And I, I'm much better at controlling my physical environment and my fitness. So fitness, nutrition, physical environment, that's the best stuff that I can control. I can't control aspects of my, you know, kids' life, their sleep schedules, their, you know, needs. Like, so what, what can I actually, um, control the variables on the best and make those the areas that I put, you got to lean into those areas so that the uncontrollable stuff, uh, has less total impact on on me and uh, you know as an entrepreneur as a as a father um and that's to say like i've had to learn how to not obsess over the things that i can control getting out of out of hand like um like if i lose sleep one night you know or if like my daughters you know wake wake us up three times in a single night or you know, for, for traveling and I can't prepare my perfect meals, but, um, but I've worked so hard and I've, I've, I've tried to solve those problems so much that like, I don't miss workouts when I'm on the road. I don't miss workouts. I don't miss protein every single day. I don't, you'll never see me being like at a gas station struggling and grabbing Funyuns. Like I, I won't do it. (laughs) It's just, I will know, I know how to navigate that part of my life, which gives me uh, a a certain base of resilience against the other many, many uncontrollables of life, which go up exponentially as a business owner and as a parent. Um, So that's where I guess maybe that's the thesis statement here is like, yes, these things, these uncontrollables are going to go up so much as a parent and as a business owner. If that's the route you're going to go in life, then you you need to double down on these other areas, not in a neurotic way, not in a like if I miss protein at a meal, I'm going to be crushed as a person and I'm not I'm going to think I'm terrible. But own that those are the areas that you have a little bit more ability to, to control or at least um, influence. You know, you have more influence over those areas. Um, and, and that is like. Like what, what motivates you, Mark? It's like, well, what motivates me to stay on track with these things is that I got all these other things in my life that I, I know I can't, like, I can't control are going to be highly volatile. And, you know, uh, so that's what, why I lean into this. It's like, without it, I'm going to feel worse. Right. Now, how often do you make shifts to your personal programming based on some of those uncontrollables, like the kids being up all night. So for instance, like how often do you say push through it anyway, versus take a lighter day today? Um, rarely. I mean, but let me explain that. Like it's Tuesday. It's you, it's workout day, right? So it's happening. Um, what I might do, you know, when the workout comes, you know, how I might adapt the training session. I, I will do, I'll adapt things often. Um, you know, I'll get to the gym and, or, you know, the plan was to get to the gym and do, you know, 
heavy back squats, but just last night didn't go well. So we're going to, we're going to call an audible and change that up. Um, but I don't. And so, yeah, it might, it might be easier or it just might be a different focus, something that I can get my, my energy around. Um, but I also, you know, I'm fortunately at a stage now with the kids that they're like in slightly more predictable patterns, like between like infancy and two years old, you know, or even like before they were potty trained, like, you know, it's just, it was, is really, really unpredictable in, in a lot of phases, um, especially like getting sleep schedules in place and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, we're certainly not out of the woods by any means, but yeah, I'm like mentally preparing myself. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more sort of day to day, like, how am I doing? How am I feeling? But the scheduling of life, I think, you know, if you're going to schedule a workout, like you're going to have to have childcare set up at that time. So it's like, you know, someone's going to be watching your kid. You have this hour window to work out. Yeah. If you're not feeling great that day, cause you were pulling an all nighter with the kid who was like throwing up or, you know, was having a hard time sleeping, then you still have that hour go for a walk, you know, or, right. you know, put on your shoes and go for a light jog or instead of doing back squats, like, you know, do a 60 minute easy flow with like a goblet squat in there and some running and some jump roping and some step ups and some push ups. Like, you know, don't, um, don't neglect yourself for that hour, you know, and don't miss that opportunity that you already made room for in your, in your schedule. Right. So basically just find a way to utilize that. You might change the intensity or the exact application of what you're doing, but make that time for you. Precisely. Yeah. Which I think was your original question. And, uh, and so in that way, like definitely going to, you're going to want to lean into that. I think the, I think where, what I originally was thinking was like, yeah, no, that's the movement session is non-negotiable. Like it's going to happen no matter what. And we'll auto-regulate the intensity a little bit, uh, you know, the intent of the day to match how you're feeling physically, because the last thing you want to do is I didn't sleep all last night, but I got to hit my five by five numbers today and they're super grindy and you go in and you tweak something, you hurt yourself, right? That's yeah. not good for anybody. And, and I've made that mistake a number of times, you know, in not unintentionally, of course, but you know, hit some, hit some injuries with young kids and that's not fun. Like you don't, you don't want to have a tweaked out neck or shoulder and have to like carry a baby around. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, now, functional bodybuilding has really taken off over the last couple of years, and you guys have seen some amazing growth. Like, what do you think it is about functional bodybuilding that just appeals so well to people? Kind of like you, you spread out in terms of the types of people that are interested in it. You know, I feel like you get some of the people that were interested more on in the bodybuilding side and are now looking to go the functional route, and people that are in the CrossFit side looking to kind of focus more on some of the aesthetic, but also some of these secondary movers and isolation movements. Yeah, I think you definitely, I mean, you kind of just spoke to sort of the, the broader appeal, uh, across, you know, across the aisle, so to speak, you've got your bodybuilders on one side, you got your crossfitters or functional athletes on the other side. Um, I think that, 
the bodybuilding community that is a that that uh, functional bodybuilding appeals to is not like your hardcore bodybuilders who really follow the sport of bodybuilding and who want to you know go through massing and cutting cycles and build and right it's more of like the I'll just take a call it general pop you know gen pop somebody's like I want to get in shape and what they see on their feed is bodybuilders doing bodybuilding stuff. It's when it was like me when I was a teenager and I had Flex magazine and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go and do the bodybuilding workouts. Not because I really wanted to do like bodybuilding stage shows or I really wanted to ever get I mean, I didn't desire to get that big or I didn't ever think I could get that big. Um, but I just wanted to be in shape. I wanted to have muscles, I wanted to feel strong, I love the way to it was and after some time, I was like, oh man, you know, this is like kind of, there's some rep, there's, it's kind of repetitive. And, you know, when I really do a lot of it, like I kind of feel like I'm, my, I'm an athlete and I feel like I'm getting stiff in some areas and there's some drawbacks. So then like functional training kind of shows up in my periphery and I'm like, ooh, what's that over there? That's kind of interesting to me. So that's the person I think that sees functional bodybuilding. They're like, oh, cool. Like, here's this guy who like is pretty jacked. So he's clearly like done some bodybuilding. He's got a good physique and he's like moving and doing all these other things. He's like doing Cossack squats and, you know, he's, uh, you know, can do some, some cool stuff on the pull-up bar and, um, uh, got a little cardio going. Um, looks like we can mix those things together. Oh, let me try that. Right. And then on the other side, the functional athlete who kind of went cross with the CrossFit route or even the competitive CrossFit route and who's been sort of pushing their body super hard, right? Cause if you get into that and you fall in love with the process of CrossFit, like it's, I don't want to say it's inevitable, but it's almost inevitable that you're going to like want to push harder and chase PRs and chase, you know, your fastest time. And that process of, constantly chasing something a bit more is hard on anybody. It's hard in any sport. It's hard on the body. And so when we message about doing functional bodybuilding where it's like, oh, I can I can train and not have to be going against a clock. Oh, I can train and not have to go for a repetition maximum. I can do all of this stuff, but I don't have to actually max out my intensity every single day. Oh, that's appealing. Let me try that. That seems like it would be right up my alley. And within a couple of weeks, people like feel better. They're like, "Oh, I, my joints hurt less." And you know, that's a that's a pretty powerful stick factor. Yeah. So it's kind of like aesthetics meets sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. With like, uh, you know, and and the ability to push intensity, you know, as your life can really allow for it. Right. That's sort of the the sure. message is like, is doing CrossFit as a sport bad? No, it's not. But if you can't dedicate the time to recover from it and really, you know, let your body heal adequately from each session, then eventually you're gonna break. You know, that's just how yeah. that's just how it goes. Um and do most people have the time and the energy and the resources to do it? the right way? No, they don't. Because, you know, like any professional sport, like I don't have the time to be an NBA player, nor the skill or the genetics or the, you know, the, but 
I couldn't just show up even if somebody offered me a spot in the Lakers and like suddenly put in the amount of energy and time to like do well in the sport because I'm doing all this other stuff. And that's sure. the same goes for CrossFit as a, as a sport. Well, one of the things I love about you and what you've done over the years is that I feel like a lot of people that left the CrossFit scene that were in it at, to varying degree, degrees, whether they were a coach or a gym owner or an athlete or some combination thereof, they kind of drew a line in the sand and they said, well, this is my new thing. It has nothing to do with CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And like, what's been so great about you is you've carried some of those roots with you in that you still do chest to bar pull-ups, toes to bar, and some of these more, you know, coined CrossFit type movements. And I think what that has done is it's just allowed you to have so much more novelty and what I would guess would be fun as part of your workouts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those movements really are, um, yeah, they definitely were born out of the CrossFit, you know, sport. And I mean, certainly to a certain, to a, to a certain degree, the methodology, but the sport and pushing for speed, power, you know, force production, that's what led to a lot of those, you know, gymnastics movements, like evolving in the way that they have. Um, right. Now, my, I love them because I put the time in to learn the, to learn the skill of it. It's like, you know, you ask somebody like, Hey, do you love jump roping? And they're like, no, I can't, I can't even, I can't even skip rope. Like it's not a fun thing for me to do. It's hard. But then you look at somebody who's like a jump rope, you know, master. And they're like these TikTokers that like, just do these crazy things. I'm like, you're like, Hey, is jump roping fun? <laughs> you're they're like, yeah, it's so much fun. It's like, it's cause you know how to do it. Right. So right, somebody's right. like, Hey, uh, I love this training program. It's just these chest bars suck. Like I don't like them. It's like, Oh, cause we don't know how to do them yet. So we are, I, I definitely preach like there's certain movements that we do and in, in functional fitness that are skills that you have to learn. And once you learn them, then you can use them as just a, any other tool in the gym. You know, it's like bicep curls with an easy bar. is a low level skill. Like you just, you know, you got to learn how to contract the muscle and that's it. You know, a chest bar pull up, you know, for sets of 15, that's a high level skill. You know, sure. you got to learn that. And then once you learn it and then you learn how to do it under aerobic fatigue, like then it's just like jogging on the treadmill. It's just another thing. You know, it's just you get a different stimulus from it and it adds, like you said, some novelty and some some fun. So we have options for people who want to keep those movements in their training. We also have options for people that don't ever want to do that. Like I've got an entire training track that will never see a chest bar pull up in it. You know, uh, I have a training track that will never see the Olympic lifts in it. And I've got a training track that has burpee muscle ups in it. So it, it, it all can exist in the functional bodybuilding method. Um, because what we're doing is we're trying to, like you said, we're bridging this gap between functional training and bodybuilding and we're dosing it in a way that's going to allow people to do it for a long time. Yeah. Now I have to bring this up because we talked about the, the authenticity pace and that's how that's something that I genuinely love about you and your content. And, and you've stuck true to that over the years. What do you make of this whole situation that's going on with the liver King? Oh, wow. Um, I, this is the first time I've been asked in a public forum about it. Um, I, I had to, because like, it's, it's so like current 
And it's also interesting because like you, and we didn't dive deep into your diet. I actually was going to ask you about your fasting protocols and that sort of thing, but you've always been somebody that's been more on the holistic side Mm. with everything. Mm -hmm. And I think he kind of like embodied that from like a WWE wrestler perspective. Mm -hmm. And yet like, here we are, there was clearly this like complete lack of transparency and authenticity on his side. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on all that? Um, I have many thoughts that would take us a whole podcast to unravel. Um, (laughs) and, and I'll say that I have a lot of thoughts that go beyond just like the news break because, um, more like sort of privately, not, not for any other reason than just, just, you know, not my, my entire life and everything that I do is not public knowledge. Like I, I have things that I just do privately that don't need to be shared on social media. Um, you know, privately, I actually had a relationship with Brian Johnson. Like I, I communicated with him a decent amount over the past year and a half that he's sort of been on the social media scene. I got to meet him in person, his family, his wife, his kids, spend time with them. And so I have, uh, I have a, I have a different perspective than most people. Um, and I'm, and I'm certainly not going to like stand here and defend him or say anything about like the, the current media cycle that's going on other than, you know, these things have to, it's, I think it's, I, I always think having the truth, you know, come out and be, it's, it's, it's good for everybody involved. It's going to be, it's going to, it's good for the consumer of, of his content. Um, because with full transparency, you can make more informed decisions about how you're going to consume the content, what you want to connect to, what you don't want to connect to. It's going to be good for him. Um, it's going to be good for his family. It's going to be good for their honesty, authenticity, transparency with each other. Um, and it'll ultimately be good for his business, not from like, it'll help him sell more, but it'd just be like, Hey, this is, this is your, (laughs) you want to be aligned to something that is truthful, authentic, like then get truthful and authentic. And what his business is and what he stands for from an ancestral standpoint, um, there's still a lot of merit and a lot of good that is coming from that. And the principles, the, the lifestyle movement principles that he has been preaching for the last year, um, with his, you know, personal use of PEDs and aside, like they do help people. Like it is, right. th- these are lifestyle, nutrition, um, movement principles that help, you know? I mean, I'm not saying like follow the liver king diet. I'm saying like eat whole foods, eat real food, like stop eating processed stuff. Like that's a message that's real, you know? And, you know, get outside, connect with nature, get some sun. Like that's real. That can, that's impactful. Um, you know, lift heavy stuff, move, like work out that's impactful. And is it, no, it, you, you can't do those things and look like Brian Johnson, like, right. and many of us, 
a lot of us knew that. Most people knew that. And and in some instances, people like still got inspired to try and be more than they could be by seeing somebody preach that, which I think is powerful too. And I don't, sure. I, I don't, I don't believe. Uh, again, it's like no part of me is condoning like you know deceit and lying. Um, but there's plenty of uh, PED users, abusers, TRT people, people that are using exogenous hormones that are out there in the fitness space who are are honest about it, and still the audience looks at it. And th- and sees a a sup- a supra physiological human <laughs> performing something, and they get inspired, and they take their information, and they use it to better themselves. And to the people who are like, "Hey, I'm off, I'm 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 honest about my PED use." Okay, great. In every single post that you've ever put out, no. And there's a, a lot of people who are just grabbing little bits here and there, too. And so they might only see the post where you didn't talk about your PED use, but they see that you're jacked. And then they see you doing this thing. And they're like, oh, that's I got to do that to get jacked. Like the whole world of like fitness influencers and people using drugs and being out or like using drugs or using hormone replacement or being prescribed things like, you know. I think I think it's hard because there's a lot of uneducated consumers that might make a mistake and be misled, but there's also a lot of people that are sharing good information that I would hate to see, you know, uh, a scandal as big as this make them distrustful of like getting out and like doing something good for themselves, you know. So- You're right. I think we have to be really careful not to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater with this one, um, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of really good things that have come out of his popularity and rising and content. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the honesty piece, even though you also highlighted that it's not necessarily a part of every you know everybody's post uh, that is honest about being on things. You know, one of the things that's always been fascinating to me is like CrossFit is probably one of, if not the uh, you know, biggest communities that is just so much induce disapproval of steroid use and for good reason, uh, both for the health perspective and the fact that it is a tested sport, but yet they also are in admiration of people like Louis Simmons and Mark Bell who are, have been their entire lives pretty open mm-hmm. about their use of performance enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in this case, it was, it was very much so the lack of truth and honesty that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And look, look, we also have to admit people love scandal. Like there's also just the scandal element to this where uh, people love, you know, what's new and buzz and, and what's making noise. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, look, I'm, I also wouldn't want to say that, like, despite having had, you know, personal connections and a relationship with him over the year, just like, you know, not I'm I'm not one of his five closest people. Trust me, <laughs> you know, I might not even be in the top hundred. <laughs> I might be way down the list, you know. But I, <clears throat> and that was not to say like it doesn't sting for me. Like I, I'm like oh, like I. I kind of feel like I've been lied to, you know, I mean, like not kind of like, I, I feel like I have been. And I, I, right. even as like an educated fitness, you know, consumer and, and professional, like sort of like was overlooking 
part of the story and maybe extrapolating too much out of like his his message perhaps like i don't know like so you know if i can be misled in, in to a certain degree um i know a lot of other people can but why why can somebody like me be misled like because i i truly am i'm very trustful of people generally and i'm also like I want to believe that there that we all have more to give. I want to believe that I have more to give than what I what I bring every single day. Like I loved the years that I trained in CrossFit where I was motivated by so many athletes that were better than me. And I never once was like, well that guy's on steroids so I'm not going to try and be as good as him. And even when I found out years later like so and so was like doing steroids and I was like, "Oh, like Dude, no wonder I couldn't <laughs> lift as much as him. I'm like, but I wasn't pissed about it. I was glad right. that I had somebody to chase. And I'm glad I had somebody right. to push that pushed me to be better and to, you know, never limit what I could do uh, psychologically. Do you think if you had Marcus of today as your coach back then that you could have done better? Um. I th- I don't I think if I had Marcus as a mentor, I don't think sure. I had the best coaches at, at the time that I could have. You know, my coaches were That's great. Fair. The the but having somebody who would live my experience and knew me as deeply as I would know myself certainly could provide, you know, I could have a weekly sit down with my 26-year-old self and be like, "Hey, let's talk about some things and this is going to I'm going to help you get through some stuff a little faster." For sure. Yeah, I love it. Well, Marcus, this has been a ton of fun, man. I would love to have you on again. There's a million other directions I wanted to go with this. Um, I'm fascinated by your your morning fasts or your or eating mostly in the morning and fasting at night because it's I'm the opposite of that. So, uh, so much we could dive into. But, dude, seriously, um, it has been nothing but a pleasure having you on. Um, and I really do appreciate you getting on the podcast. Well, it's been great. And this po- this this. Uh when I talk about this later and people ask me how to go, I'll say this probably of all the podcasts I've ever been on has, has gone in so many different good directions. There's a, we covered a lot today. So I appreciate just being able to flow in a lot of different directions. Um, and yeah, after you have your kid and you've been in, in the uh, parenting world for a little bit, let's reconnect. I'm sure we'll have a whole new set of things to talk about. Absolutely. No doubt. Well, um, give the listeners, uh, an idea of like where they can learn more about you. Yeah. On the topic of all that, uh, the free education content that we're putting out, like, or just try to teach people as much as we can and make, make their health and fitness journey easier, more effective, getting them to their goals. Um, it all happens through our, our different media channels. So the first is the email list. Um, you can sign up for that at functional-bodybuilding.com. And then you want to get long form, uh, education stuff, head us up on YouTube. I think that's a great place. Marcus Philly on YouTube, putting out some, some pretty, uh, you know, or frequent long form content there. So those would just be, be great places to check us out. I love it. Well, Hey, thank you for all that you do. And again, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it, Derek. 
Thank you again for jumping on the podcast today. I just want to take a quick second to remind you that we post a lot of free and helpful content on our social media pages. You can find us at Hardbat Athletics on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website at www.hardbatathletics.com to learn more about what we do at our facility. Let's keep raising the standard together.